financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions. Welcome to another edition of Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic here with my co-host, Jonah Bronstein of the New Bronstein Times. Uh, we're going to be joined later on the podcast by Fred Siegel. You know him as the man behind freezing cold takes uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 600,000 followers uh, seven years into his uh, foray on Twitter. Uh, and freezing cold takes uh, NFL football media's most inaccurate predictions and the fascinating stories behind them is a book that Fred Siegel has put together that is on sale and he's going to join the podcast and talk about the origins of his site and the inspiration to get into it and uh, how he puts together his uh, his his freezing cold takes and um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, before we get to Fred, though, I want to talk about Saturday's game, the Bills' dramatic finish, winning the game against the Indianapolis Colts with a final second field goal, a chip shot, which I thought was a pretty great way, if you're a Bills fan, to end the game. It's even better than a touchdown. You wanted to see uh, the punt god, Matt Ariza, in a clutch situation make a nice hold, execute with the long snapper, Reed Ferguson and Tyler Bass to make the kick, even though it was a chip shot. And I thought that that was a, an ideal, if, if you could draw it up, a way for the Bills to grow as a team by winning in that fashion. Jonah, you were there. You were in the Bills yeah. uh, in press conference room after. Uh, what was your, your takeaway from, from Saturday's game? I know it's an exhibition game, but I think we learned a lot. Well, let me ask you this. Does this game crack your top 10 of all-time Bills victories? <laughs> no, I don't back think so. Like they did? Um, no, I think you're right about Matt Areza. He also had the 82-yard punt and held on another field goal. And maybe the concerns that he's not an experienced holder or can't perform that job are being alleviated and making it a little more fun to watch him, you know, boom the ball 80-plus yards in this punting competition that's been brewing throughout camp. Um, well, my reaction, I kind of more wanted to ask your reaction because you reported on it more extensively and, and we're talking to the freezing cold takes author later today. Would it be a cold take to draw conclusions about the Bills backup quarterback situation based on how poorly Case Keenum played and then Matt Barkley leading them down the field for that comeback victory? Yeah, it's tricky. Um, I think it is. And I think a lot of fans are. Case Keenum is by far a more accomplished quarterback than Matt Barkley in terms of experience, uh, the type of situations that he has not only been in, but also won in, most notably with the Minnesota Vikings, but also he was a starting quarterback with Denver and Washington. Um, 
knows the backup role, as does Matt Barkley. It's not like Matt Barkley thinks he's going to supplant Josh Allen or even Case Keenum, I, I don't think. Um, Case Keenum is playing in his first game with an offensive coordinator who's never called plays before. Uh, and granted, uh, the Bills' system is what it is. And Matt Barkley played in this system for three years. With He knows the line checks. He knows what he needs to look for when he goes to the line of scrimmage and to check in and out of a play or knows the terminology. Uh, and he's also going against the Colts' last string players. Case Keenum was going up against the Colts' starting defense for a portion of the game. So I think you'd expect him to struggle uh, when he's playing with Bill's backups against NFL starters. The Colts are a pretty good team. Uh, I don't think that anybody's picking them to go to the Super Bowl this year, but you know, their defense is respectable. And uh, so uh, that is what I wrote about. I, I had spoken uh, before the game to uh, Rick Spielman, the former Minnesota Vikings general manager, to ask him his thoughts on Case Keenum in a backup role. Uh, he likes it. Uh, he thinks that Case Keenum is in his prime as an NFL backup, 34 years old, uh, not a lot of wear on him, uh, the ability to come in. And as I mentioned, he's been in these situations. Uh, the, the games shouldn't be too big for him. He played in the NFC championship game for Minnesota, led them to the, well, didn't lead them because he was a game manager. They ran the ball and had a great defense, but the Minneapolis um, miracle. Yeah. The Minneapolis miracle with uh, Stefan Diggs. So he's done it. Uh, Matt Barkley's never done it. And as great as he looked, throwing to Quentin Morris and Isaiah Hodgins later in, uh, in the game to move the Bills uh, to that 17-point run that finishes off a comeback uh, in the preseason. Yeah, it's fun. It was fun, and we have good thoughts about Matt Barkley. Uh, and uh, there were highlight-type plays for as far as preseason goes. But Matt Barkley, to me, is destined for the practice squad. Um, I don't think he's going to have any takers out there or anybody's going to swoop in and give him more of an opportunity than he's going to get as uh, in a role with the bills where, uh, I mean, when he was, when he signed, he knew he's here as a, as, as a, what I like to call a stable goat, you know, that's uh, you got these racehorses. Sometimes they get too fidgety in, in their stalls and they'll put like a comfort animal in there with them. Sometimes it's a goat just to kind of keep them company. And I think that's what Matt Barkley is for Josh Allen. He's his, uh, he's his little goat. And uh, I think that Case Keenum is the guy that they need as for peace of mind and the insurance policy to be their backup. And hopefully you never see him. But if you do, um, and this is where I, I also interviewed Phil Sims, uh, the former New York Giants quarterback, about his thoughts on Case Keenum in that role. And the quote was, I would not want him to be my starting quarterback in the NFL, but I would love him as my backup. And I think that that's where Bills fans probably should be thinking unless these next two games just turn out disastrous. And even then, even if these next two games are disastrous with Case Keenum, he's still learning it. Um, you know, neither of these guys get any reps once the season starts. Um, so it's not like Matt Barkley would be honing his game uh, once September rolls around. Um, Matt Barkley can run the scout team. Case Keenum can be the backup who studies back in the huddle during practices and gets his two reps or three reps, uh, you know, each day. 
And, uh, you know, anyways, I, I just don't, I'm not pushing the panic button on Case Keenum uh, if I'm a Bills fan. Well, right. You can't really draw too many conclusions from one preseason game and maybe can't even draw many conclusions from all three of the preseason games if this trend continues with Matt Barkley outperforming Case Keenum. But I do think it's fair to say, I don't know if this is a hot or cold take, that this game illustrated how much of a downgrade the Bills have at backup quarterback now, going from Mitchell Trubisky, who was is a starting quarterback in the NFL, to what they have now. And, and they didn't – not that you wanted Josh Allen to get hurt last year, but they didn't get the benefit of having a very good backup quarterback last year. Now they don't have it, and just because of the way things work out, luck and, and the way injuries tend to happen in the NFL – this might be the year where Josh Allen misses some time or they need more from the backup quarterback yeah. and they have less at that position. We've already seen it uh, in, the, in the preseason examples of how Josh Allen can get hurt even if he takes care of himself. You had Jalen Hurts getting just tattooed by a Jets linebacker while running out of bounds. It was a late hit. It was dirty. And if Josh Allen does that and gets hurt, yes, Bills fans can be pissed off at the defender who, who suckered him. Uh, the dirty hit, but that doesn't bring him back. Uh, and if he gets into concussion protocol or has a shoulder injury, uh, hell, knocks his thumb. It's a knuckle. On, yeah, right. Yeah, knocks his thumb on somebody's helmet who's, uh, who's, who's blitzing up the middle. Um, there's all kinds of things. And uh, the Jets dodged a bullet uh, with Zach Wilson. Uh, he was on a run, a non-contact injury to his knee. Looked like he might be done for the season or at least the um, the – those doctor experts who like to diagnose injuries uh, from television uh, were saying, oh, that's a season ender. Uh, they dodged a bullet. He's only going to be out a few weeks. But those are all the types of things that Josh Allen can have happen to him. Um, and a story I'm working on, um, uh, there's a Hall of Fame quarterback who says it will happen. He's like, there's nobody gets out of it. You know, it will happen. He's going to get hurt. Uh, whether it's just about how, whether he's out for two weeks or 12 uh, or a season, I mean, there's, it'll happen. Uh, and he takes a lot of shots. Uh, I think the only way Jonah to be able to tell what the bills have with their backup quarterback is if he plays with the starting unit, if he's throwing to Stefan Diggs and Dawson Knox and handing off to Singletary and cook and has the, and taking snaps from Mitch Morse and Deion Dawkins is a left, left tackle and Spencer Brown's the right, you know, that whole thing. Uh, Roger Saffold, getting him back in the mix. He was a big offseason acquisition. So and that's Case, Keenum, happen, at least Case Keenum behind a crumbling offensive line, or at least a, a backup offensive line, doesn't, doesn't teach me anything. What do you think about the Bills sitting every starter, and I think 33 players in total, and if that continues, I mean, should they get Case Keenum some reps with the starters and get some more continuity going with this offensive line and things in these final two preseason games? Well, I think the offensive line needs it regardless, whether it's in front of Matt Barkley, Josh Allen, or Case Keenum. I think the offensive line needs its reps against, uh, against an, a live NFL opponent uh, and not just the, the defenders in practice at, at half speed or whatever. So, um, you know, they need to do some run blocking. They need to do some of those things. Uh, that's just the nature of that unit. Um, once they're all healthy, yeah, I, I think that that's, that is important over these next two games. But I don't think it's important for Josh Allen. I don't think it's important for Jordan Poyer. I mean, there are guys who you can just count on. Yeah, maybe from Rust or something. I don't know. You want to give a couple of, couple of series? I, 
I don't know. I, I just think that the preseason is too risky for a team that is established. You have the New York Giants, and I've been following them, of course, because we're tracking all the former Bills who work for that organization now uh, as both coaches uh, uh, in the front office and players. And Brian Dable, that's a, a big part of his philosophy in this preseason is getting his starters reps. This is a team that is building. Um, they need it. That's way more important to a team like the Giants than it is to the Bills. They know it's the same offense. Um, Ken Dorsey can find his rhythm getting the plays into Case Keenum as, as easily as to Josh Allen, I think, because of the, you know, the cadence and, and all that type of stuff. The 30, you know, the, the play clock is still the play clock, regardless of who the quarterback is out there. Um, so I think that there are some things that are more important for different people within the organization. But as a whole, I don't think that the Bills, the Bills starters need this preseason that much. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I do wonder if some of the players need to play alongside Josh Allen or alongside Jordan Porter, some of the new players, especially the younger players and the rookies. And maybe they can get that in practice settings. Yeah. But I think that the, helps. The young not, cornerbacks, those, yeah. those sixth-round picks, you know, guys who just don't have a lot of experience, uh, Christian Bedford and Kyrie Elam, who both played well against uh, Super Bowl quarterbacks. Um, Matt Ryan played, former MVP who played in the Super Bowl. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, even though, you know, like I said, the Colts aren't favorites to win the Lombardi, but these young – I said sixth-round picks. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting my, my safeties. Uh, the, the, the two safeties are both sixth-round picks. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, Bedford is a sixth-round pick, and Elam, of course, the first-round pick. Um, I think they showed very well against uh, – against veteran NFL quarterbacks. And speaking of six-round picks, Sam Ellinger lit the Bills up. They yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, that's what happens with the, in the preseason. That's why you get these preseason heroes who everybody falls in love with, like Christian Wade. Nobody assigned Christian Wade. Uh, he's not in the NFL anywhere. But there were people who would see him break these runs in the fourth quarter of preseason games and say, man, he's got to make the roster. And uh, here he is not making 32 rosters. Um, anything else going on, Jonah, before we get to uh, uh, Fred Siegel, or do we want to just jump right to Fred? Why don't we get right into Fred, jump right into the cold water? Okay. Wait, before we do that, I want your take on the halftime meal at the Bills' first preseason game. I didn't eat. I was writing uh, because I was writing about Case Keenum. I could get started. I knew he was out of the game um, by then. And so I actually just wrote. I did not. What did they even I, – I, I heard some, some, um, some grumblings uh, or some mumblings, I should say. Not grumblings because I don't think it was um, – I don't think it was necessarily negative. But people were wondering what it was. Yeah, I mean, I got that too. I mean, it was pretty obvious. I thought that it was calamari and everybody was wondering if it was onion rings and that there was a lot of confusion because it wasn't labeled, I guess. But I thought there was a lot of effort to put out a nice meal. And as we talked about in past weeks, there's no expectation that they have to feed us well. But compared with some of the box lunches and the food we got in the past, it didn't seem to cause widespread illness and ill feelings. 
as we'd experienced it spread much illness. Time last year. You mean so, ill will, not illness. I don't think anybody was both, getting sick. Both. Oh. I, I feel like there was a little bit of that last year. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we discussed that. Uh, I don't know if we discussed it on the air or off about the, the, it was the COVID aspect of it. it. There was no communal buffet style. You go through and you scoop up. They were trying to eliminate touching of the utensils repeatedly. So they would put little things in boxes and sometimes, uh, you know, they would by halftime, whatever it was that was in this box would be stuck to the cardboard, whether it be a pizza log or tenders or whatever, a little, it was not, it was not optimal. Right. I suspected that these things were put in the boxes on Tuesday or Wednesday and left sitting out there waiting for us on Sunday. Brussels sprouts in the pregame portion of the meal. I don't think I've ever been served Brussels sprouts in, in an NFL press box. I think, I, yeah, I think that they should be lauded for their effort. This is not typical stadium fare. And um, it, as, it was a nice comeback. I do wonder if maybe they listened to this podcast and heard that the Patriot reporters in the Bills last home playoff game called it the worst press box meal in the league. I know it's just the preseason, but I wonder if the role as Super Bowl favorites, all these primetime games, you're going to have national media at these games on a weekly basis. I'm talking about the Peter Kings uh, or, you know, whomever, the NFL network people. Yes, those, those reporters are there, but you're going to have maybe a Washington Post reporter or an L.A. Times reporter uh, attending games in Orchard Park because they're writing a feature about these bills, the Chicago Tribune, et cetera. Um, the Mike Sandos and Dan Pompey's at the athletic, those types. So maybe you need to, maybe they, there's a feeling like, all right, let's, let's show out a little bit here. Just like Christian Bedford. Sounds good. No. And I just thought of something. I want to make a quick mention. Um, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Former Niagara baseball player Winton Bernard made his major league debut with the Colorado Rockies it. over the weekend. He had been in the minors for 10 years and got into his first baseball game and got a hit. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's a lot of local college baseball fans, but there probably are a lot of people that watch baseball. And I thought that was kind of a neat little story. Where's he from originally, time. Jonah? He's not from Western New York. Let me look that up really quick. Um, but he played at Niagara, obviously, more than 10 years ago. And he was a good player for them, stole a lot of bases. Um, and has had a good minor league career. But this was his first time playing in the major leagues. And his hometown is San Diego, California. Yeah, that's not near here. And played some junior college baseball in Riverside Community College before coming to Niagara. But I remember covering him at Niagara. He was a very good player there. And then had seen him having... You see this a lot with local players, either the ones that grow up here or play college baseball here, where they have good minor league careers. But it, it, and sometimes they crack into the majors, but it is, does seem kind of rare that the local baseball players in the Northeast in general kind of make it to the highest levels of the show. Right. Oh, that's pretty cool. No, I didn't know that. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, all right, let's go to maybe, maybe Fred Siegel has something about him and somebody tweeted, this guy will never make it. Yeah, I probably wrote in the Niagara Gazette, this guy's not a major league player and he'll never be in it. <laughs> All right, but right after this, we're going to hear from uh, Fred Siegel of Freezing Cold Takes here on Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. 
They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and has partnered up with Victory Sports for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400, and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you. On this episode, we are going to cryogenically uh, immerse ourselves in the freezingest and the coldest takes as we have Fred Siegel at Old Takes Exposed. You probably know it better by its, uh, uh, by its, uh, its mainstream phrase, freezing cold takes. Fred Siegel joining us from Coral Springs, Florida. Thank you, Fred. Well, no, now I'm in West Palm. I, I was in oh. Coral Springs. Yeah, not a big deal. But, uh, All right. No, that's why. Well, I, I, well I'm a former Palm Beach Post reporter of the Miami Dolphins. All right. And a former resident of Coral Springs, Florida. Nice. Good town. Um, Good town. I would not have wanted to drive uh, that distance every day. No. The distance isn't so bad as much as the South Florida traffic. When I was working as an attorney, I used to work in Miami, and my wife used to work in West Palm. And we lived in Coral Springs for that reason. We both drove an hour a day. It was terrible. Well, I'm glad that you're able to consolidate. And you are not an attorney, <laughs> full-time attorney anymore. You are full-time freezing cold takes. Is that right? Full-time freezing cold takes. Um, but uh, also I do a lot of other things. It's a hustle. I just hustle. I do a lot of other things, social media related. I do I have a side projects, social media related that are boring to discuss, but just let's just say nothing to do with cold, cold takes. It is uh, a empire that you're building really. Uh, <laughs> and the reason we have Fred on is to discuss his new book, freezing cold takes NFL. Football media's most inaccurate predictions and the fascinating stories behind them, available where all books are sold. Borders, Barnes and Noble for our Canadian friends, Chapters, uh, Amazon.com, you name it. Uh, this is a book that's going to be all over the shelves. Um, and a lot of Buffalo Bills references in it, uh, a lot of context, and a lot of AFC East, of course. Um, and I'll just give a quick overview before we get into it. But I'm really fascinated by the, um, the, the sequence of events in which are discussed in, very, in full, in chapters. These aren't just references. But it is um, the Steelers being fools to stick with uh, Bill Cower over Tom Donahoe. Tom Donahoe then goes to the Buffalo Bills and how awesome that is going to be. <laughs> uh, buff, former Buffalo news reporter Tim Graham is mentioned in a footnote, not a freezing cold take, but I'm in a footnote. Uh, and then how stupid are the Patriots to trade Drew Bledsoe within the division? And the Bills really got one over. And so the Patriots are stupid and Tom Donahoe and Drew Bledsoe. And it, it's, it's amazing. Um, I, I guess there are so many different ways you could have gone with this book. And I know that a lot ended up on the cutting room floor. How did you condense it? How did you decide what of the, the purest cold takes you were going to include? Well, you know, I, 
I did. I didn't do a lot of like recent stuff because everybody's careers are so small. First of all, second of all, I me mean, like Josh Allen's a great topic for Buffalo, but you know, I, I I was I was like halfway into the book when he broke out. Like when I first started writing the book, he was he well, he hadn't broken out into being a star yet. He was like still had potential, and um, and stuff like that. So it's not really recent stuff so much. I have a chapter on the draft where I just list draft takes. It's really the only chapter where it's really extension in my feed, but that has recent, more recent stuff, some of it. But otherwise I kept it to stuff that was already kind of concluded. And um, I just try to do it the best, the, the stories that people would think the most interesting out of all the ones that I, I did. I, I did like four or five that I cut. So I could do a volume too easily. But uh, yeah, so it was, it was hard to figure out which ones to put. I thought people that teams and people that would recognize, um, you know, the 49ers from the past, the Cowboys from the past, uh, 90s Cowboys, 80s 49ers, um, you know, old Steelers teams from the 90s and uh, 2000s when they eventually won the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, teams like that. Um, The Patriots, of course, have a lot of material for them. I had to cut some of that material out, but there's still so much on them. And then Buffalo's involved heavily with a lot of, them. Uh, especially the Patriots one. And uh, Bruce Smith makes a nice appearance, uh, courtesy of maybe Bruce one Smith of the most respected NFL drafts. I couldn't drafts. stop laughing at that. Bruce that was so funny. I couldn't believe it. Um, I think it was one of those guys, a draft guy. He was one Joe of the Bushbaum. draft guys, and he said. He was doing a thing on an article that appeared in like many local papers. It said the worst pick and the best pick of each team's draft. And uh, in 85, he said the worst pick the Bills had in 85, Bruce Smith, number one overall pick. Because he's, he's lazy, happy-go-lucky, and likes to eat. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, we don't want to give away all the morsels. We want people to go out there and buy the book. And uh, I, I, I'll be honest, what I did when I got the PDF version was I just did a control F for Buffalo. And I wanted to see which reporters made the cut uh, or missed out on the cut. And uh, there are some uh, familiar names in there, quite a few of them, uh, by the way, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Buffalo media who, uh, who got uh, tagged for their freezing cold takes. Um, yeah, what, what, what's, that, what's, that, what's the guy's name from Big Buffalo? Sal, Sal something. Sal Mayorana. Yeah, Sal Mayorana. Yeah, he's, he's, I get tagged to his post sometimes for my feed. Um, but uh, I remembered him. But yeah, he was, he was big on making fun of Belichick for trading Bledsoe within the division. Right. No, the other day at the game, Tim mentioned to Sal that he appears in the book a couple times and, and brought up a few of the instances. And Sal's first response was, "Those weren't cold takes." Stick <laughs> so, into them. But he also has a partner in crime, and one of his particular cold takes, in which he's joined by a friend of the show. He is an an all-time uh, F on TGAF, uh, Bucky Gleason. So he's got company. Um, how do? What's the response that you've gotten over the years, Fred? Because I remember I was very early on the freezing cold takes train. I was an early follower. uh, And it seems as though the defense mechanisms have dropped or fallen by the wayside. It has gone from being an insult to be on freezing cold takes to almost a badge of honor now. people. It seems as though reporters are having more fun with it than they did 
uh, in 2015 or 2016 in the early stages of, of the of the uh, Twitter feed? Yeah, well, I think you guys, uh, um, well, reporters realized pretty quickly. And when I first started it, they would get mad, a lot of them. But I think they realized pretty quickly that it's rarely a good look. It's rarely a good look to, to, um, to complain about it. Now, sometimes people have arguments about whether it is or is not a cold take, and they occasionally have a point. But um, I think for the most part, it's not a good look. So I think eventually you realize, okay, this isn't really that big of a deal. Uh, it's fine. I'm going to make fun of it myself. I think what, what annoys reporters more is when they get tagged to me, when I get tagged on anything they say that is even remotely predictive or provocative, I'll get tagged 50 times under that, the moment they tweet it. I think that annoys them more than the actual posting of the old post. I think reporters, when you, when you guys say something that's like a hot take type thing on Twitter, I feel as if, and I could be wrong, you get more heat when you post it than when after it's wrong. Because when you post it, people can still argue about it. They could still tell you how stupid you are. You know, like both people who agree with it and people who don't agree with it or like things like that. Now, when it's wrong, there's nothing else but to just make fun of it. But it's much more of a debate when it's first posted. Well, I'll tell you this, Fred. I, I think that freezing cold takes has had an impact on uh, the way I report uh, somewhat. I mean, I'm a little bit of a different reporter as, uh, you know, people who follow this podcast know. Uh, I'm more of a feature takeout guy. I've never been a hot take guy. I've never done a mock draft in my life, and I never will. That's like a source of pride. Um, but when I was at ESPN, we had to make predictions. Oh, yeah. uh, and it was... It was something that uh, Paul Kaharski uh, in Nashville, and he and I would talk about all the time. We would complain ESPN is making us predict the games. They'd make us pick winners, all this type of stuff. And, and we didn't like it uh, because that's just not my comfort zone. I'm the type of guy that I like to put out information that is backed by expert opinion, or I quote somebody who has to say something. I, I never wanted to lead with my chin as much as I was forced to. But I'll tell you this. Even in the Twitter sphere, I would occasionally throw out what I thought was an opinion, and I will have Fred Siegel in the back of my mind, and I just got out of the habit. Like, I'm not going to – I don't – and why should I? I mean, it, it really – what Freezing Cold Takes does, I think, more than anything else, on a on a tweet-by-tweet -tweet basis, as entertaining as each tweet is, it really pops that balloon of how silly – uh, some of this is, and content for content's sake uh, that we see uh, in the media, that they're saying things just to be said. They're not saying yeah. things because they have to be said. They're saying things just because. And I think it it, it allows some discerning, the, the audience to be more discerning in how they want to gather their material, their content, their information. No, I agree. But I think, I think in terms of, like, it depends on what you want to do. I mean, if you're a free features writer... You don't have to do that. Um, if you're a reporter back previously, when report when uh, it was, you know, like when people relied so much on the ESPN.com reporting um, as opposed to just Twitter these days, uh, you know, it, it was something you could do. But if you're going on TV and being um, the guy on the studio show or the whatever the 
the morning show on ESPN, you probably have to do that. You have to yell out all these opinions or else you won't be on the show. So it depends on what you want to do, I guess. I mean, like I would never want to make opinions. I mean, I'm not opinions of predictions in NFL, especially NFL. NFL is, NFL is like the most unpredictable thing. Inferior teams beat better teams all the time in the NFL in the regular season. All the time. The Bills lost the freaking Jaguars this last year. I mean, it's like, it's like, you never Urban Meyer before. beat the Bills. What? Urban, I just like to reduce yeah, that. Yeah, it's, wor- it's worse for, than, it's worse no than the Jacksonville winning. You know, you never could expect anything. I remember it was, uh, I just remember it specifically because Kyle Brandt from the NFL Network wrote that it's a buy month for the Bills. They, they were playing really bad teams that month. And the first game they played was against Jacksonville. They lost for no reason whatsoever. And nobody believed that they were done either. Like, it's like uh, the NFL is so weird like that. So why would you even want to predict games in the NFL? Impossible. Good luck gambling on that sport. <laughs> I mean, geez. But um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, I, I would think that some people do it, but then some people are just um, happy for the attention, even if they're wrong. If some people think like you, and then some people are happy for the attention if they're wrong. Um, I try to stay away from those people. Um, but, I mean, the fans like it, and occasionally I'll post them. Fred, what inspired you or got you started in, you know, jumping into the freezing cold water and looking for these takes, and, and how did you get to become the, you know, the freezing cold takes guy? Well, I, I started it, like, as a counter to sports media folks who reposting their accurate predictions, and then self posting self-congratulatory messages. Um, I was just a regular Twitter user. I figured I, someone should be the person to repost the tweets and the quotes where some of those same media people, they turn out to be wrong. And I guess I just became that person. I didn't expect it to become big, but it did. And eventually allowed me to write this book, which was like something I really wanted to do from one of the few times, one of the beginning times I started the feed. And what's kind of the process like of cataloging these takes and searching for them and finding the cold takes versus the, the accurate takes? The cataloging, uh, I don't catalog very much. People, that's um, kind of like a myth. I, I perpetuate it sometimes just for fun, but it's not really what I do. I, I kind of look at them when the time arises. I have a legal background. I was a lawyer for eight years and I, and I uh, used to search case law on these websites called uh, LexisNexis and, and Westlaw. They used to have all these case law you look to help your case and you have to find all these search terms. You look up dates and, and, and different um, search terms and, and from different periods. And, I, and, I, and the Twitter, I don't think people realize at the time how much, how easy it was or not easy, but just how good the technology was on Twitter to be able to search for old posts. And this was like in 2015. So I figured that once I, once I started searching, I realized it was the same as like the search terms in Westlaw. I was very good at it. I used to do it every day. And I would just find them. Like go back, find dates when things happen and be able to find the quotes. Like um, when, when a coach is hired, like when Rex Ryan was hired by the Bills. Thought it was great. Um, you searched. I was a, day, you you would have gotten me. You would have gotten me on that one. <laughs> well, I was a huge fan of that hire. I thought he was exactly what they needed. That they well, needed a motivator to get him over the hump. 
Yeah, especially the day, and you look up games where, like, they had, a, I'm sure, I think they started off really well. So you look at the, when they were at their highest level, the record, there was at the highest level, you go to their schedule, you look at the game they won to become their best record in the season, then you type in Rex Ryan, and you look up the record, uh, you look up Rex Ryan, that date, and then you, you kind of condense it, filter it, so it's just blue checks, and it's just like a whirlwind, it's just like a load of takes rex ryan's the best rex ryan what a hire rex ryan you know so easy and then um now everybody just sends me stuff so some of the stuff i probably would never have found people just send me and um everybody remembers what you guys said so especially uh, people who don't like us do you ever find common threads in that oh like yeah there's a competitor like uh, somebody who just doesn't like another reporter on the beat and they're like hey you might want to you might want yeah, to consider including this one. Bias, bias stuff, bias, puff piece type thing. Um, carrying the water is a big one. Right. The guy, uh, tag, and then Underwood, I'll get all the commentary about how this journalist carries the water for this team or this coach. And um, yeah, stuff like that, of course, of course. But they'll, yeah, especially guys who don't like you, remember everything you say. You guys, as journalists, you write like seven articles a week of 500 to 1,000 words at least, or your features column's probably like 2,000 words. You don't remember what you wrote last week, but guy who hates you remembers that same thing you wrote for, for months, years, maybe. And they'll send it to me the second it's wrong. And it's just not just Buffalo, it's Iowa football, um, Louisiana Tech baseball, college stuff uh you know vancouver canucks anybody like it's any team like i i just can tell how passionate these fans are about any other team it's like crazy so that's what so that's why i get all the stuff so you decided to go with an nfl um edition of freezing cold takes let me give that name of that book again uh, one more time well i'll give it a couple more times freezing cold takes nfl football media's most inaccurate predictions and the fascinating stories behind them um, available where all books are sold. Um, you decided to do an NFL edition here. Does that mean that uh, you're working on another sport right now? Well, or are we going to wait and see how well this does? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I would have to get a, be able to have the publisher or any publisher want to do another one, but that was the plan from the beginning. I was going to do all sports. But uh, I decided to like, let's pick NFL. I have so many, and it's real popular sports. So let's pick that one first and then you can do more. I could do NBA. I could do a volume two for this easily. Cause I, there's, I had a max word requirement for this book. So I, I couldn't do everything I wanted to do in one book. Um, I had something, a great chapter I cut from 2017 Eagles. And um, I think now I could probably do a whole chapter on Josh Allen. Josh Allen's one of the most fascinating guys. He's like one of those guys. He's the enigma guy who has a lot of talent, who just get, gets so many hot takes. And when he was drafted, yes. the moment he was drafted until he broke out to being a star. I mean, when he first started, um, he had games that, that people made fun of. Uh, I mean, he was like, he was like choppy, you know, like it, just like any other rookie should be. But he, all, the talent was always there. 
But uh, yeah, he's like one of those guys. He's like the prototypical guy like that. I could have a chapter on guys like that. Are you familiar with Ryan Gates and maybe the, the situation um, you'll be reminded of him more so than just the name. Ryan Gates worked for WGR 550 here in Buffalo. And I admire him for this. And I had a chance to tell him this in person. Um, and I, I think I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact how it, how it happened, but he said, if the Bills draft Josh Allen, he would quit. Now you have all these radio people uh, who will threaten to do whatever or they may, and then they back out of it or they come up with a, a compromise of, uh, you know, doing it, uh, you know, like I'll eat my hat. And then they come in with a chocolate hat or something, whatever they do, they, they do something different. Well, he quit and he said, <laughs> I'm a man of my word and I quit. And then this was even before Josh Allen was good. Right. So I think that Ryan Gates uh, <laughs> deserves a little bit of maybe uh, reverse freezing cold take love. <laughs> yeah. Where, where is he at now? He's, he's, uh, he's not in the business. Um, he's, he's out of the sports radio business. I've tried to urge him to get back into it because I think that it's more credibility. He's, I think he's paid his, he's done his time. Maybe he didn't no, like it that much. He wanted to quit. He was looking for a reason. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah but uh, he, uh, there's no consideration for any of those. I mean, in my legal terms for any of these types of things that you say, like I'll quit if I, but like, it, it's a really stupid thing to say because it, because you have to quit and then you don't get anything if they don't pick him. That's like right. Return. Like there's no, there's no, you don't get anything in return for that. What do you get if they don't pick Josh Allen? If I was him. So, but yeah, I mean, that's a great one. Nobody ever does it. Maybe um, eat, eat hat. Eat, I'll eat the take. And there's a piece of paper of the take and someone's eating the piece of paper. I've seen that before. Right. 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 Well, uh, my uh, co-host Jonah Bronstein, I think, well, even if he didn't want to fall on his sword, I'm going to force him onto it. Uh, while you were talking, he brought up one of his own freezing cold takes. He sent it to me as a reminder. He says, uh, and so maybe this could start your chapter on Josh Allen, because this is the first seed that if this doesn't happen, maybe the bill, it's the first domino or the butterfly effect. But Jonah Bronstein said, uh, if the Bills fans wanted wholesale changes, Trump and Bon Jovi were the horses to back. Status quo is what they wish for and received. <laughs> the Pagulas. Yeah, I went looking for that. I thought the take was stronger than that because I was really thinking that, you know, you were leading with Trump your chin? was the best possible ownership situation for the Bills at, at a certain point in time. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> all one thing we do know if, 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 if there was Donald Trump as the owner that uh, uh, it would be tough for the coach it might have saved the country yeah it would be tough for whoever was the coach I'll tell you that I thought he'd do something know, bold like how you know that, uh, that, that, that uh, any game lost would be solely his fault yeah he tried to out Steinbrenner Steinbrenner um <laughs> Fred, is there, has there ever been consideration, and maybe you've done this in a different way, but I like the ceremonial aspect of this, uh, retiring jerseys. Uh, you know, let's retire because you can go Steph Curry all day, every day. You can go Tom Brady all day, every day. Do you have your – is there a Mount, well, Mount Rushmore is maybe too limited, but do you have uh, – if, if it were go up into the Seagull rafters, who, who would be your – You amount know, of subjects, like of, of – individuals um well subjects are you know like the draft coaching changes they're like these general uh, you know, like, concepts you mean like the individual that, athlete yeah oh 
Oh, okay. Well, that's a tough question. Are there um, guys you just stay away from because they just get too redundant? Well, there's guys like Johnny Manziel, who for yeah. a long time, I, I, I kind of just got over that one, but you can bring them back every so often. There's NFL players who were universally believed to be great that didn't do well. I think the number one example of that, Johnny Manziel is not the number one example because there were people who were skeptical of him. The number one example of universal player who had universal love, who completely flopped was Trent Richardson for Alabama. The running back for Alabama who got picked by uh, Cleveland. There was not, you can't find a person who didn't think he was going to be good. Maybe Jim Brown, because it's obvious he was jealous. I can't remember. I, well, there was one, that was one of the takes was we're looking at the best running back since Jim Brown in Cleveland was yeah, one of the Jim takes. Jim Brown did not like that. So he, he, and he, he uh, there was another them. one that was from a national NFL uh, voice who said something along the lines of just imagine Trent Richardson and Brandon Whedon in the same backfield. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty freaking cool. Stu Mandel said that. He, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He was a college guy. He was just so excited to see Unbelievable. great college players in the same backfield. It's going to be so great. So cool. Yeah, yeah, that one. Right. Brandon Whedon, they picked two in that same first round, and it was a great first round for them um, in that draft, supposedly. And then they traded Richardson for a first-round pick. And everybody thought that Indianapolis gave up a first-round pick for Trent Richardson, and people were just going off on the Browns like they got ripped off. It was my favorite, uh, one of my favorite bits that you do, I think it's, it makes me laugh more than the takes, is when you use the, I'm, I'm writing this down emoji. I'm not sure what that's oh, called, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, let's put this down for posterity. Um, is there one that you're looking forward to the payoff? Uh, well, there's, one that, there's, there's ones where I root for the payoff, um, and there's two already this year, and um, – one I root for thoroughly, and then one I'm not rooting for because they're in the division. I'm, I'm a huge Dolphins guy. And um, it's Tua. Tua's the ultimate one right now because there are so many things said about him that are bad. But now uh, it, it, it's the same. Like the Dolphins go through this period where uh, you guys are lucky. You're, the Bills have somehow broke through in becoming good again. We've been waiting for so long with the Dolphins. But uh, uh, to, uh, every year, the, the, the person in the, in the tryout, in the um, training camp, they're doing great. This year is even more, where everyone's talking about Tua is doing great. But before that, all the stuff on Tua has been so poor that if he's good, it's going to be great. Now, also the Patriots offense right now is a huge topic. Like, the Patriots offense is so bad. There's all these alleged, like, poor – the coaching staff's, like, in flux, and they don't have a real offensive coordinator. That would be a good one to post, too, uh, because um, nobody – everyone's really a down on them now. I've got seen so much media really going down on them and then um, uh, <laughs> being down on them. <laughs> and then <laughs> – and then, uh, uh, so that one, but I'm not rooting for that because I don't Maybe want, a little of both. I don't want the Patriots offense to be good. <laughs> uh, it's already, it was already hard enough, like, last year with the Patriots and the 
Bills now in the division. That division's only suited for one good team. Like Patriots were for a long time. Now Buffalo's turn, right? So those perhaps, are the two. Perhaps for a long time. I think that there are Bills fans who believe they're owed a long run. At the well, we're owed a long run, too, as Dolphins fans. Where's our run? The Patriots almost won the division again last year. I know. Well, that was a great one. That was a great, great, great cold take thing. After the Patriots won that game, was it in Buffalo or is it home? And dominated them in, in Orchard know. Park. Yeah, that was the – Yeah, yeah, it was a game where, where they didn't pass right. because they were afraid to pass because it was, it was – the weather was really bad. And, um, and they won. And it was, it was just – the narrative was completely just Belichick, just – master versus like fraud McDermott like fake Belichick yeah that that was it that was and then all those posts and then of course the recency bias from the media after that was was uh was you know but Patriots are going to win the division Buffalo you know it was like especially those stupid shows the day after like the, the the debate shows but uh when the playoffs came around it was it was open season because that was just like dominance, the playoffs. Um, it was open season. Now, another great one, which you guys won't like, is uh, when, when Josh Allen threw the – like I've used this as an example of in-game freezing cold take posts, like when Josh Allen threw the touchdown with 13 seconds left in the division. Oh, right. Right, right. Like That's where – now, when you talk about accumulation, that's where I start bookmarking. I don't care what the situation is. I have like a predisposed – um, already on the train to bookmark. So I can, I'll start bookmarking the second he throws the touchdown. You're watching the game. I'm watching the game. Josh Allen throws a touchdown. The 13 seconds left, I'll automatically bookmark. Yeah. Like bookmarking, everybody's saying the pay, that Buffalo is going to win. Even though I personally think that there's no way the Chiefs are going to come back, I just do it anyway. Or halftime of the Chiefs Bengals game. Right. That's a good one, too. That had to be a big one. That was a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Chiefs Bengals game, too. Yeah. The, the, in-game ones are really good. Um, Super Bowl 28-3 is obviously the, the, the ultimate one. I don't think there was bookmarking at the time. It was even a thing you could do on Twitter. But I would have to cut and paste then. So, but yeah, yeah that, that it's, 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 it's part of the process. So is the lesson here that media members like myself and Tim should try to avoid get, being on freezing cold takes, or is it just all part of the game that we should put our takes out there and let the universe decide whether they're high or cold. I don't necessarily think that you should do anything. Um, I, I think if it's a big part of what you do, I don't think you should stop doing it because of me, because it doesn't matter. I've, no one's ever been fired. No one's ever had anything bad happen to them in their career because of it. So, but I think like if you're not, necessarily a type of person who posts things and doesn't really want to deal with the annoyance that comes afterwards uh, then yeah maybe you should avoid it because it, it does it keeps going for years people will post if you post a draft take that's wrong like like your job like one of like a josh allen take then people will tweet you to that take like three years later and go what do you think now tim graham even though you've addressed it like six times yeah right <laughs> like, <laughs> I wrote a story calling myself a moron. 
I am stupid. You are smart. I am ugly. You are beautiful. <laughs> yeah, they have I, the they'll still go after you. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, Fred, uh, thank you so much for this. Let me give uh, all the plugs again. You can follow Fred Siegel of Freezing Cold Takes at Old Takes Exposed on Twitter. Uh, where he has accumulated almost 600,000 followers. Uh, there also is a Facebook page and an Instagram, but those are little different names. Uh, what, what, right? They're, They're not old takes takes. Exposed. They're just at freezing cold takes, but on Twitter, it's old takes exposed. And uh, by the book, uh, regardless whether you're a Bills fan or not, but there are, there is just, an abundance of Bills and AFC East material in freezing cold takes NFL football media's most inaccurate predictions and the fascinating stories behind them uh, on sale wherever books are sold, Amazon.com, Borders, Chapters, Barnes and Noble, you name it. Walden Books, if there's still one around. I don't know if they're like the, yeah, the well, blockbusters, Walden books. Walden books still out there. Great mall bookstore. Um, no, I don't know. But uh, it, they're, uh, yeah, you can order it, Amazon, yeah, Barnes & any of those places, and probably in the bookstore. I mean, I've seen it in my bookstore, so. Oh, what's the name of the one in the airport? Oh, something, H.W. Smith or something, or something. Is News? Maybe that's just the New York airport. Well, anyways, buy it. <laughs> buy the damn book. Yeah, please. Fred Siegel from West Palm Beach, not from Coral Springs. I want to make that <laughs> correction again. I don't want to be on freezing cold uh, yeah. takes just because I got your, uh, your, your North Miami home. native. South Florida's best. All yeah. right, Fred, thank you for joining and uh, giving your insight on the book. And uh, we'll be following you along for uh, forever. All right. As long Thanks as you keep doing so this, we'll be following. Me. I appreciate it. We'll